listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Thank you for joining us today for another episode of Let the Bible Speak. In next week's broadcast, we will take one final look at Paul's first letter to Timothy. Today, though, I want to think a little bit about what really the Bible gives us as an encouragement to help us in the midst of hopelessness. I do so in light of the fact that many of you this week will have marked St. Patrick's Day, the 17th of March each year, is a time when many people across the world reflect upon the life of this man. He was a man of God who knew the Lord Jesus Christ as his Lord and Saviour, and he was a man who served as a missionary to the land of Ireland. This programme is sponsored by the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania, and it is significant that on St. Patrick's Day in 1951, a new denomination was formed in Northern Ireland. That denomination was founded in the midst of liberalism and ecumenism. It was founded to be a defender of the truth and to be fervently evangelical in spreading the gospel to needy souls. It is a very fitting providence that this denomination had the missionary zeal that marked St. Patrick. Some years after its foundation, the Free Presbyterian Church established churches in Canada, Toronto, also in the United States of America, in Pennsylvania, in the Philadelphia region, and also in Greenville, South Carolina. We still have connections with our brothers and sisters in Northern Ireland. And so this week, as we think of St. Patrick's Day, we've also marked the goodness of God in the formation of our denomination. And so today I I do want to encourage our hearts and we will do so by considering the words of Ezekiel chapter 37. I do pray that it will be a blessing to your souls and please get in touch if you have any questions regarding the work of God that we're involved with. Before we turn to the word of God, let's just pray and ask for God's blessing upon us. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, We thank you for your kindness and for your mercy. Bless your word to all of our hearts now. Encourage us. Help us, O Lord, to have the ears to hear what you would say to us today. In Christ's name, amen. Ezekiel 37. Uh, Let's read together from the verse number 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And he answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. 
And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Today, of course, is the 17th of March. It is uh, St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick of Ireland was a man who knew the Lord Jesus Christ as his saviour. I have no embarrassment in calling him St. Patrick. He was a saint in the true sense of the word. Not by some papal authority, but by the divine purpose of God, set apart, called unto Christ. Patrick opens his confession with these words, My name is Patrick. I am a sinner, a simple country person, and the least of all believers. Patrick, of course, would come to be known as the Apostle of Ireland, as he preached Christ, traveling from county to county, planting churches. It is... A coincidental but fitting providence that on March 17th, the same day that people commemorate Patrick, believers in Cross Scar, Northern Ireland, covenanted to be faithful to Christ. In the face of apostasy and ecumenism, with the beginning of a new gospel preaching evangelistic denomination. Given Patrick's history, I do believe it is a fitting providence that on the day that he is marked, there was the start of a new gospel preaching church in Northern Ireland 70 years ago today. St. Patrick went as a missionary to Ireland and he was met by absolute spiritual barrenness. Paganism, all manner of superstitions ruled the people and as he preached the gospel, souls were saved. They came to know the simple gospel of Christ Jesus. In a similar fashion, and the Free Presbyterian Church, 70 years ago, faced spiritual barrenness. As the gospel was preached, souls were saved. And the founding fathers of this denomination understood the hopelessness of the case, unless God intervened. I want to read to you just an excerpt from the Spring Current magazine that's coming uh, very soon. Uh, I wrote a piece uh, with an interview with Reverend Beggs, and it says this, As our interview came to a close, the Reverend Beggs was eager to make one last point about the early days. He says this, I came into the church as a young believer, and we had late night prayer meetings. I learned to pray amongst those men, and there was a spirit of prayer. If the free church is here today, I believe it's an answer to prayer, said Mr. Beggs. The free church is far from perfect, but the Lord has been good, and I see much of what has happened as an answer to prayer. Reflecting on the unique character of those present, the Reverend Beggs told me with a smile 
And those prayer meetings weren't always orthodox, but the Spirit of God was there. They were men whom God had taught to pray, and we should never lose sight of the place of prayer in the work. The days of St. Patrick or the days of the early part of this denomination were days of spiritual deadness and hopelessness. And so I want to turn your attention tonight to Ezekiel chapter 37 to consider our hope when faced with hopelessness. The historical context of this is given to us in verse number 11, where it says, Our hope is lost. The passage is a recognition of spiritual barrenness and dryness, of there being no hope. It is, of course, historically referring to the state of Israel and Judah at the time of the captivities. The southern kingdom are now being given the promise of restoration, Promises that come to pass in the national and spiritual restoration under Ezra, Nehemiah, and Zerubbabel. The coming of the land is enlarged on verse 30 or 24 and following. And it's under the covenant of peace. It's under that covenant, verse number 26. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant. As David comes as their shepherd, verse number 24, and David my servant shall be king over them, and they all shall have one shepherd. And so the promises pictured in this valley of dry bones, they come to partial fulfillment in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel, and yet there's a pointing forward to the greater David yet to come, when the people of God will know blessing on the land in the new heavens and the new earth under Christ, their eternal shepherd king. These are the promises, the pictures. Hence, there is gospel application in the valley of dry bones. There are things to learn regarding hope in the face of hopelessness. In fact, there is a text in the Gospels that carries much by way of allusion to the scene in the valley. It is, of course, John 5, 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. The sense of deadness, and yet the voice, the prophetic voice of the Word of God coming, brings life in the midst of deadness. Death. Hearing of a voice the Son of Man speaking and life results. And so all of the context here, whilst there undoubtedly is a national application, there is undoubtedly a time that Ezekiel is looking to even before Christ comes, we know that goes, it goes beyond Christ's coming. It even goes as far as Christ's return. But if we're going to apply this to our day today, and I think we can, then we should look around us and we see we see spiritual death. We're faced with spiritual death all around us. What has changed? Has the truth changed? Are the people more dead than they were before? Well, of course, there are many factors. But the question of the Lord in verse number 3 comes to mind with fresh power today. Verse number 3, Son of man, can these bones live? It's a question. It's a question that comes with power. Can the dry bones around us, can they live? Is there hope in the midst of hopelessness? Was well, there hope for a young missionary called Patrick 
Was there hope for the founding men of our denomination? Was there hope when they were faced with hopelessness all around them? Well, of course, when you look at this text, there are many things that will give us confidence and I trust will give us hope. Note to begin with, there is a note of recognition. You have to begin here, faced with the setting and the scene. Ezekiel responds, verse number three, O Lord God, thou knowest. There's a recognition here of his own inability. There's nothing of self in this. How could there be? Faced with this mound of bones. No man could bring anything to bear upon the situation to cause these bones to live. The place is marked by isolation and hopelessness itself. Oftentimes the valley is associated with death in the Bible, sometimes warfare. The valley can be a place of warfare, the valley, the valley of the shadow of death. Either way, there is, in the context of the valley, there is a sense of hopelessness. The condition of the bones is even worse. Verse number, chapter, verse number two, and lo, they were very dry. It speaks of decomposition. It speaks of the effect of the sun, the effects of parasites, the effect of the vultures. Who knows what's involved here? But these bones, they are not just simply the mark of recent death. They are the mark of absolute hopelessness. There is no hope of health or revival and Ezekiel comes to recognize this. There's a recognition of his own inability. Add to that the number mentioned, verse number two, and behold, there were very many in the open valley. It is a sense of the innumerable number. That's the language that's used here. An innumerable number of bones in the valley. It's an overwhelming picture. I don't think I need to remind you about the death of sinners Romans 3 gives a picture of the inability to do any spiritual good. Souls have no inclination towards God. There is no life in them, nothing in their own will that will make them do right and become an army for God. It's hopeless. This is what we are surrounded with. Oh, at times there is a breath of revival. And it seems to be that there are more living souls walking around preaching Christ then there are dead bones, but now in our day, we're just surrounded with dead bones. And the view can be overwhelming. Can they live? Can these bones live? Well, we've got to begin by recognizing our own inability. We can do nothing to change this situation. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. A recognition of man's inability. But it's also a recognition of God's ability. I think it's significant that Ezekiel does not say, no way. Might be how you'd expect him to respond. It could even be looked upon as a test. Does he realize how bad the situation is? Surely an honest man would say, not a, no way. These can never live. But rather, he says, Lord, thou knowest that is remarkable. It opens a window into Ezekiel's soul that suggests to me that when God asks the question, Ezekiel knows there is a possibility. God's asking the question because Ezekiel knows God's going to do something here in this vision. Such was Ezekiel's confidence in who the Lord is. 
When you read the Word of God, you are given a picture of God's omnipotence. It's a constant theme in the Bible that God does the impossible. At least those things that are impossible to man. God consistently does wonderful things out of death and brokenness. You take the cross. Death and brokenness, out of which comes life in every true dimension of life. Oh, the disciples understand that men, they, they can't be saved by man. Oh, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Mark, Mark chapter 10. You see, the salvation of sinners is possible in the part of God. It would cause us to despair if we believed that man had some seed of possibility and it was left to them to bring life out of themselves, we would despair. Why are they not, why are they not coming alive? Oh, we've got to recognize the tragic situation. We've got to recognize our inability. But then in turn, see that our only hope is in the Lord. That with God all things are possible. Even, even these bones living. The ultimate reflection of this conviction regarding God's ability is Ezekiel's prompt obedience to the command to prophesy to the wind in verse number 9. We'll I'll get there at the very end, but verse number 9, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. Now, there are many things that point us here to the Spirit of God being pictured in the wind. The four corners, the four winds, take you back to creation and the Spirit over the waters. The very word for wind is the word for Spirit used in the Old Testament. It's used in Isaiah chapter 42 regarding the elect of God. I will put my Spirit upon him. And so this is, I believe, God telling Ezekiel to pray for the Spirit of God to come, to come to this valley. And to come and make the bones live. If it was the case, and I believe it is, having spoken to, to many of the men who were about in the start of this denomination, it was the case that they prayed fervently for the Spirit of God to come to make bones live. These men knew their doctrine. They knew that only God could save. And it is the case that in our generation, we know that intellectually. We are conscious of it intellectually. But we need to pray that by God's grace, we'll come to have that a conviction in our souls. That beyond writing it down on a piece of paper, only God can bring salvation. That beyond that, that would so dominate our prayer life that we'd plead to a sovereign God to make bones live. There is this note of recognition. Or inability, and praise God, his ability. Which leads in the second place, and finally, just very briefly, to see a note of submission. There is, uh, within Ezekiel, a submissive heart to the things of God. First of all, there is a submission to God's will. Whilst Ezekiel does not say, no way, he also does not say, well, of course they will. There's a very fine line between praying in faith, believing that God is able, and presuming that God will do what we expect when we expect it. The desire to see souls saved, 
should never cause us to be bitter against God's will. And some of you have prayed for souls for many, 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 many years. You say, well, the Bible talks about praying fervently and praying, believing, and I believe God is able. But alongside such conviction, there must be that gentle, sweet, submissive spirit to the will of God. Who had the greatest burden for souls but Christ himself? What a burden our Savior had for souls. Come unto me, all ye that weary and heavy laden. And yet a few verses before that plea for souls to come to him, Christ prays, I thank thee, Father, that thou hast hid these and revealed these things. There is a recognition within Christ himself as the God-man, a recognition of the sovereignty of God in saving souls, therefore a submission to God's will. We want the Spirit of Christ in our prayer meetings. Burdened, but submissive. There's also here in Ezekiel, there is submission to God's service. Verse number three, the words he uses, O Lord God, Adonai, Jehovah, used, these terms are used in this portion of Scripture. It's a recognition that God is the sovereign Lord. Jehovah is the master. Faced with dry bones, are we submissive to do what the Lord would ask us to do? The difficulty of a task tends to put people off. I've pleaded with people over the last weekend that we urgently need to pray for young men to be called into the ministry and the mission field. But we've got to accept the fact that as young people look at this world, they see dry bones all around them. And the challenge of the task may well put young men off the task. And so as we are praying for them, you want to pray that God would take their hearts and make them submissive to do, to serve the Lord, no matter how difficult the task may be. Remember, remember Isaiah chapter 6, here am I, send me the willingness of Isaiah to go. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. What follows after is the Lord tells him, your ministry is going to be marked by stubborn people who will not hear what you say and you will ultimately not see success in your ministry. And yet Isaiah does not revoke his willingness to serve. Though the way is difficult, he still goes on and does what is right. Faithfulness to God, no matter how difficult it is. And so as we pray tonight, you need to pray for your ministers, pray for young men that they would have this backbone to keep on serving no matter how challenging it might be. Ezekiel, he is submissive to serve God. He's submissive also, finally, to God's method. Submissive to God's will, to God's service, and to God's method. He's told to prophesy unto the, upon these bones, verse number four. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. The word to prophesy speaks of foretelling, announcing the word of God. It's used in different ways. We know that it can speak of the future. It can uh, report God's word. It can even be used for prayers. I think it is in verse number nine here. It's used in different ways. Here, of course, the scene is ludicrous from a human standpoint. Ezekiel, stand in this valley over bones and preach. 
preached the word. Yet, that is what we are to do in our evangelism. We are to tell dead sinners that they will live. We are to preach to a valley of dry bones. The hyper-Calvinist will say there is no point in preaching to dry bones. First of all, God will make them alive, and then you preach to them, and they'll respond. No. You preach to them in their deadness. That's the task of gospel preaching. Preaching the word of God. Yes, you see in this portion a very important principle that the word of God being preached brought order. There are the bones coming together. There are sinews upon the bones. But there is no life. It is the Spirit of God that brings life. But that's the order. Preach the word. Announce the gospel. And then the Spirit of God comes and brings life. I mean, we've seen this in, in recent studies in James. We're begat with the word of truth or by the word of truth. Or First Peter chapter 1, born again by the word of God, the word that's preached unto you. We've seen these things. That it is in the mysterious purpose of God, his sovereign will, that souls come to life as the spirit of God comes and applies the word of God and souls live. That's how God does it. This is being submissive to God's method. Not trying to be clever or inventive. Simply preach the word. And allow God to come and save souls. So, you get to verse number 11. You get the recognition our bones are dried and our hope is lost. What is our hope in a hopeless situation? What is our hope in the midst of hopelessness? What did Patrick hold on to? What did the free church hold on to? They held on to the confidence that if they did God's bidding, if they preached the word and prayed, then God was able to make dry bones live. It's as simple. It's really, really simple. As we face hopelessness, as we look around us and see nothing but hopelessness, we are simply commanded to preach the word to pray for the spirits in the knowledge that God is able to make dry bones live. So, on this St. Patrick's Day, may we, may we take Patrick to ourselves as an apostle for the word of God, as a man who came in times of hopelessness and preached Christ and did see souls one for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.